This is Matt Raymond at the Library of Congress. Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the National Book Festival, sponsored by the Library of Congress and hosted by First Lady Laura Bush. Now in its eighth year, this free event, held on the National Mall Saturday, September 27th, will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend the festival in person, you can still participate online. These podcast interviews with well-known authors and other materials are available through the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov bookfest. It's now my honor to talk with Emmy Award-winning journalist and best-selling author Cokie Roberts. Her historical works include We Are Our Mother's Daughters and Founding Mothers, The Women Who Who Raised Our Nation. Her latest book, Ladies of Liberty, The Women Who Shaped Our Nation, continues the story of early America's most influential women, chronicling their various public and private responsibilities and detailing how in these roles they helped shape our nation. Among Ms. Roberts' many honors are more than 15 honorary degrees, an appointment by George W. Bush to the President's Council on Service and Civic Participation, and just this past April, and very close to our hearts, a Library of Congress Living Legend Award, recognizing her outstanding contributions to America's diverse cultural, scientific, and social heritage. Ms. Roberts, welcome. Thank you for talking with us today. So nice to be with you. First of all, what is it like being named a living legend? (laughs) Well, well, as several people commented at that ceremony, it's nice. The living part is very nice. (laughs) But uh, it was a great honor. There were uh, such uh, noted uh, colleagues there, David McCulloch and and people from the world of music and art and and, uh, sports. Uh, It was really very special. And, of course, uh, we're delighted that you'll be joining us for the 2008 National Book Festival. Why do you think it's important to participate? The Book Festival is truly a, uh, a remarkable event that the Library of Congress and Mrs. Bush have put together over the last few years. Uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it broke 100,000 visitors last year. It sure did. And uh, that's just... That's just something to applaud, the notion that 100,000 people will show up on the National Mall to celebrate books and reading, and the teachers will come from all over the country uh, to see what books they think will be appropriate for their students, and that parents will bring children uh, to celebrate reading. It is really um, very, very special, and it's part of the library's great outreach that uh, the Librarian of Congress, Jim Billington, has been so successful in uh, undertaking, which is to understand that this beautiful building here in the nation's capital uh, and its, its incredibly vast uh, treasure of uh, books and documents and movies and records uh, is, is one thing if it's just sitting housed here, but it's another thing if the American people can get to it. And so he has made it possible for uh, lots and lots, hundreds and thousands, it can be millions of people to have access to these treasures through events like the Book Festival, but also through the uh, quite sophisticated and accessible website. Well, we appreciate those words. And, And what can we expect to hear from you on September 27th? Oh, I'll be talking about these wonderful women. I just love these women. Um, the Founding Mothers, I thought, was going to be a book that covered the 
founding period, the women who influenced the founding fathers. And, of course, we spend so much of our time in this country uh, still talking about the founders and what they were thinking and, and what they intended. Uh, but we really uh, have devoted hardly any time, attention, scholarship uh, toward the women. And uh, what I discovered when I started writing Founding Mothers was that it would be too big a book to, to try to cram the entire founding period into one book. So that book stopped um, in 1797 with the inauguration of John Adams. Adams and Jefferson, of course, had had the first contested election under the Constitution. And the fact that the loser accepted the consequences meant that the American experiment would continue. So it was a good stopping place. This book, Ladies of Liberty, goes from Adams to Adams, uh, the inauguration of John Quincy Adams, which is quite literally the next generation, the end of the founding period. And um, the women are just so much fun to meet, so admirable, so plucky, so brave, so funny. Um, it's just it's. It's it's a treat for me to be able to introduce them to uh, their descendants and um, and to be able to talk about them. And what inspired you to write these books? Is it just that there's a, a wealth of information about the founding fathers, but sort of a dearth uh, on the founding mothers? That's certainly part of it. Um, and you know, I've covered Congress and politics forever, <laughs> and uh, and when you do that, you do have to spend an enormous amount of time uh, with the founders. Uh, you go back and read their debates over things like the right to bear arms or religion in the public square or whatever it is. And so I felt like I had gotten to know them awfully well. Uh, and I also have written a great deal about women in politics, or the influence of women as politicians, as voters. Uh, and so I realized that I had very little knowledge about the women of that era. And um, I figured if I didn't know much about them, few others did, since it is something that I have made something of a specialty. So uh, when I went back to do the research, I discovered that there was a reason that you haven't read much about these women, which is that it's not easy to get to hmm. their documents and papers um, because people didn't honor them and preserve them the way they have the founding fathers. But it was well worth doing because, as I said, they are just terrific women. Given those challenges, how did you approach uh, your research then? When was it uh, particularly Well, I started lengthy? right there at the Library of Congress and uh, and met with the uh, people in the Manuscripts Division, and then they helped point me to others. And, um, and I started going through the biographies of the men and checking the footnotes and, and then contacting the... Um, libraries and universities and historic homes uh, that are the repositories of these papers but um, and historical societies. But um, even so, it was pulling teeth because in many cases they haven't, um, haven't taken great care of the women's uh, documents. And so um, it, was, it was very difficult. I must say after the first book came out, after Founding Mothers came out, and the curators and librarians understood what I was up to, they were much more cooperative and forthcoming for this book, and they got excited and started trying to find things mm. uh, that would move the process along. And how do you decide which women to focus on? Well, in large part, uh, it was determined by the papers. Um, 
I was I, I obviously focused on the women who were connected uh, closely to the uh, primary founding fathers, so um, Washington, Franklin, Jefferson, uh, Adams, uh, Monroe, Madison, um, and um, and Aaron Burr. Um, but um, then for the others, I really was uh, dependent on uh, papers and letters and journals. And what, going through this process, did you find surprising about these women? Or were there any misconceptions maybe that we as Americans have? Oh, I think there are enormous misconceptions. Um, first of all, I, I discovered how, and, and again, in the first book, uh, because it, was, it, it covers the whole revolution, how incredibly brave these women were, how left alone they were for long, long periods of time, and left to um, support the family as well as, of course, take care of the children and, and the old people, because often the men weren't being paid when they were off in Philadelphia thinking great thoughts or off you know, on diplomatic missions or at war. And uh, so the women had to make ends meet. And in many cases, they were also in great physical danger. The British were coming. And um, and they did it with such uh, a sense of, of uh, sacrifice, but also courage and, and belief, faith in the country and the cause. Uh, and at one point, Abigail Adams said to John, you know, we women really are better patriots than you men because we are suffering all the hardships and making all the sacrifices for this cause. And if we win, you will be held in high acclaim. We won't even be able to vote, so we're better patriots than you are. So what surprised me, I think, in that book was was all of that, but also how deeply political these women were. In this book, in in the following period, the early years of the 19th century and the years of early Washington, D.C., I think what surprised me was not only how political the women were, but how they were credited for their political clout. So that, um, so that, for instance, uh, when Madison was elected the first time, his opponent, Charles Coatsworth Pinckney, said, I was defeated by Mr. and Mrs. Madison. I might have had a better chance had I run against Mr. Madison alone. And uh, that was very common. The men were very aware of uh, what the women were doing and what their vast political influence was. So I think that was quite surprising. And I think Americans have a huge misconception about what first ladies have done. They they have this notion that first ladies sat around tending to the tatting until Eleanor Roosevelt. And that's just simply not the case. Every first lady has has been involved uh, in some way politically, starting with Martha Washington, who lobbied the Congress on behalf of veterans' benefits for Revolutionary War veterans, because she had been to camp with them every winter for eight Mm. long years of the war, and she knew that they deserved their pensions. Based on the knowledge that you've gained about our country's early history, are there any straight lines or, or, or tangents, I guess, that you can draw between the past, and has it informed your view of current political realities? Sure. sure. First of all, uh, as I say, the the idea that the women were so influential, and I continue to see that in Washington today. Um, I grew up in a political family and, and saw the tremendous influence of political wives in the 1940s and 50s, and, and that continues today. There are some political wives in this city 
who are more powerful than some elected officials. Uh, so I certainly see that. But also, I don't just deal with politics in this book. I deal with uh, writers and educators and social reformers and settlers um, who also uh, help shape the nation. And um, and I certainly see the continuation of that. Um, you know, the country in the early years of the 19th century was moving west, and it was exciting And as it expanded, and a lot of people were making it, and, and it was this new, young, uh, very exuberant place. But there were also people who were being left behind, and the women understood that. And they, with no political power and essentially no economic power, because married women couldn't even own property, they put together the social service agencies uh, that helped protect uh, the widows and orphans and poor and hungry. And uh, I certainly see a continuation of that today. I want to shift gears a little if we could and talk about your own career. Uh, I think most people uh, know that you come from a very prominent political family, both your mother and father having served as uh, representatives in the House uh, for Louisiana. How did that prepare you for your career? Oh, completely. Uh, I grew up so completely in the halls of Congress. My father, Hale Boggs, was elected to Congress before I was born and um, served all of my life. Um, was uh, lost in a plane crash in Alaska in 1972 when I was a grown woman. And, um, and then my mother, Lindy Boggs, was elected to the seat and served for nine terms. So uh, I spent my entire life in the halls of Congress listening to political conversation, understanding uh, the intricacies of legislation, meeting the uh, leaders of both parties uh, who were the prominent people of the time, and being allowed as a child to participate in conversations with them. I, I look back on it now and think that... You know, they must have thought it was odd when they came to our house and these little children were around the dinner table arguing with them over things like the civil rights. But, mm. hey, the, our parents thought it was just fine. So <laughs> so there we were. And it certainly prepared me for a, a uh, career in, in covering politics in Congress and for arguing with men who think that they know more than me. <laughs> I think, uh, obviously, journalism and uh, writing books, similar, but I think in many ways very different pursuits. Is there one that's uh, more rewarding to you than the other? Oh, I guess writing books is more rewarding. It's, it's, it's so much harder, um, particularly these history books. They are really, really, really hard work. But I don't think I could write them if I did not have my journalistic uh, background. Um, you get into very difficult political weeds in these books, and um, and being able to sort through them and know how to uh, explain the politics and history um, the way that I do in a in a newspaper column or a radio piece or a television uh, appearance is uh, very very useful when it comes to writing these books. And uh, sort of on the flip side, how. It does being an author, in particular, one who does such tremendous research, does that make you a better journalist? Oh, as well? absolutely. 
because people say things that are just wrong all the time, you know. Mm. Uh, nobody ever investigated the personal lives of candidates before. Baloney! You know, it started with George and Martha Washington and has gone on ever since. Uh, you know, and it's never been such a scurrilous campaign. Give me a break. So Dolly Madison was accused of being overly sexed and unsexing her husband. And uh, the public press wrote that she uh, was indiscreet with a variety of men. I mean, all kinds of really, really nasty stuff. And, uh, you know, to know all of that gives you a much better perspective and uh, sense of uh, proportion looking at today's uh, politics. Now, I don't want to get too overtly political, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your uh, outlook on the current political season. I think by any uh, measure, it's it's certainly been a historical year. What's your assessment, and, and how does that compare to uh, past years and past campaigns? Well, I mean, often people do say about campaigns, oh, it's never been anything like this before, and they're wrong. This year, they're right. Uh, we have, I think, a wonderful sense of the new America in this campaign. Uh, on the Democratic side, a, a uh, young candidate who is of mixed race, uh, African-American and, and uh, white, who uh, grew up mainly on the island of Hawaii, one of our newer states, and, uh, and is you know, completely, as he says, different looking from the people on the dollar bills. Um, and on the Republican side, a woman who, again, uh, represents one of our newer states, Alaska, called the Last Frontier, um, a mother of uh, a group of children. Her husband is of the uh, also is part Eskimo. I mean, this is this is the multicultural country that we now are, and uh, and I think that uh, having um, having candidates who represent much more of what America is all about is very exciting, and uh, and it is historic. What advice would you give? I think particularly to young women who want to follow in your footsteps. Well, I think mainly is, you know, go get a good liberal arts education so you know something. But also, you know, I, unfortunately, you still have to work harder and be better uh, than the guys. But I always joke, that's not hard. <laughs> well, Cokie Roberts, we appreciate your time. Before I let you go, I have to ask uh, what's next for you. Are there any new books in the works? Well, I have a revised edition updated of We Are Our Mother's Daughters coming out next spring. And then we'll see. I'm I'm getting kind of interested in the in Sarah Polk, and uh, we'll see what I can dig up about her. Well, Cokie Roberts, once again, thank you so much for uh, talking with us today. Lovely to be with you, and I can't wait for the book festival. And again, the latest book, Ladies of Liberty, The Women Who Shaped Our Nation. And you can hear more from Cokie Roberts at the National Book Festival Saturday, September 27th on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. The event, as always, free and open to the public. For more details and a complete list of participating authors, visit www.loc.gov slash bookfest. From the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., this is Matt Raymond. Thank you for listening.